1: Mm. As more and more people are looking to prioritize sleep, organic Just Tart Cherry is having a moment thanks to Tart Cherry's potential sleep-related benefits and potential to aid in muscle recovery when you get those gains-like clues. We're seeing this in the viral Sleepy Girl Mocktail trend on social media
0: So you can crush everything you do. Pick up a bottle at your local grocery store today.
2: It's the Game of Roses. Welcome to to the Game game of of Roses.
1: roses. This This is is the Game game of Roses. Welcome to the Game game of of Roses. Welcome to Game of Roses. This is Pace Case. It is... Our finale of Gore Girl Summer, what is going to follow is one of the most extraordinary interviews Bachelor Clues and I have ever done. He is, (laughs) his voice has not quite recovered fully, but he powered through with this interview that I think everyone in the pit is really going to enjoy. So, Let's get into it. This is...
0: Welcome to the Pit.
1: Today, we are joined by one of the most influential players in the history of the game. He came from humble beginnings in the first weeks of Bachelorette season 14, evolving his status as an under-the-radar floater to finally become a favorite who exited in third place with an incredible heartbreak edit that many thought made him a shoe-in for Bachelor. Although his toes never touched the stinging sands of paradise, this player found his way into bachelor royalty nonetheless with a post-game strategy second to none that encompassed everything from dating with the player pool to outstanding parasocial work, including what we think is the best free agent podcast in Bachelor Nation. We are humbled and honored to have with us in the pit today none other than the fiancé of one of the only five active 2 million club members, author of the Restart Roadmap, Rewire and Reset Your Career, and the host of the Trading Secrets podcast himself, Jason Tardis.
2: Yes, All right. that intro was awesome. <laughs> of course, you guys put your own spin on it. That was maybe my favorite intro of any podcast. I've been on. Oh, well, <laughs> oh, thank you very much. Oh, my God. I love it.
1: I can die happy now. <laughs> <laughs> thank you Jason, for having thank me. you so much for joining us today. I am so honored to be here. Thank you. We just warned Jason, but Clues is uh, back post getting his tonsils out. He is trying to become a bionic podcaster in time for the Windacia season. So he's removed his vocal cords and updated them. And he is now Val Kilmer in Top Gun for this interview. (laughs) I wish that was true. I wish I had
0: AI assistance right now.
2: Did you did you did you schedule this the tonsil removal around the season finale of the next show or season premiere of the next show?
0: I schedule (laughs) everything around premieres of Bachelor and Bachelorette. Rest assured, including life changing surgeries.
1: Unfortunately, that is true. (laughs) (laughs) I just wanted to get it done as as soon as
0: possible for a variety of reasons. But uh, Jason, you have eight hundred sixty nine thousand Instagram followers, which puts you at number thirty six on the all time leaderboard right now. Wow, that is immediately in between kelly flanagan from bachelor season 24 and the incomparable rachel Lindsay, impressive company to keep
2: wow i did not know all that that's pretty cool 36 huh i'll take it and those are two awesome individuals who kick ass in their life so cool indeed
1: that is true you're not saying you want to uh now take them down so you can be number 35
2: <laughs> no no i don't i don't i don't look at it like that i'm just like how can i be the best like of what i'm trying to do right so i keep the stuff i do is so different than what rachel does or what kelly does and so i don't look at it like i gotta move up in the in the in the, in the uh you know game of roses rankings although that's kind of cool i maybe one day that's what i should start doing
0: that's right. It's like CrossFit, basically. You know who your nearest competitor is, and you have to take them down.
2: I love it.
1: Yeah, we'll we'll trade that secret after. There you go. Uh, we uh, we are going to get into your playing days and your post playing days, but before we dive into the meat of the interview, we'd like to set the table with some background. Yeah. You know, who was Jason Tardik before he sits before us today? Uh, (laughs) Where are you from? You're from Buffalo. Is that right?
2: Yes. We, we just have a, just so you know, we have another guest here. His name is Pino Grigio Pino. and he uh, just entered. he's at my he's, at my, he's just got his, the ball in his mouth and he's sitting right at to my right. So he's, he's here, keep me company. Um, but before Pino and before all we this craziness, Pino. I was, he's the man, he is the man. Uh, I was born in Buffalo, New York. And I was, uh, I played soccer in college, played hockey, growing up, studied business, went to get my MBA at university of Rochester in accounting and finance, worked 10 years in corporate banking, just kind of relocated all over the place. Like you tell me where to go, I'll be there. And my last stop was in Seattle, Washington. I moved from New York to Seattle. And that was when uh, I took the leave of absence from work. And I went on the show and then I actually came back from the show and went uh, went back to work for about a year and then Hmm. broke off to do my own thing. So that was a, a little bit about me, where I'm from, where I've been. And where I am today with with Pino at my feet.
0: Pino is a multiple Creature of the Week winner, by the way, on our podcast. Yes. We've given Pino so many awards <laughs> for his parasocial play, we cannot even count. Pino, but uh, we what? have
1: theorized whether they are trained golden retrievers. You got an award, dude! Oh, he loves that. He puts <laughs> paw. <up. laughs>
0: what kind of stuff did you oh, watch cute. when you were growing up as a kid?
2: Uh, big, in, big into sports. Big into sports. Big into documentaries. Big into. Um, I mean, like, are we talking like Power Rangers as a kid? Or are we talking like, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. kind of oh. like
0: TV. Did you grow up with the reality TV at all? Were you watching any like network sitcoms, any of that kind of stuff?
2: I wasn't a huge network uh, sitcom guy. I would watch Friends here and there with my mom. Here's what I would do. I spent a lot of time with my dad because I was always playing hockey, always playing soccer. It was always sports related. So the Same. way I would like connect with my mom and my dad was my coach and always driving me and stuff Same, like that, dude. right? So the way I would connect with my mom is I would just, just watch tv with her i wasn't really interested in the like seinfeld for some reason i just i don't know maybe i didn't understand the concepts but i would watch it with her friends i would watch it with her but i did watch bachelor that was her thing her thing was bachelor bachelorette Mm. and so as a kid like high school days i would sit there on the couch and watch it with my mom
0: what was the first season you remember
2: so i remember like vividly the uh um Uh, Trista and Ryan season and I remember I'll never forget when like they showed uh Ryan and he was like on his bachelor party I don't know if you guys remember this they filmed his bachelor party and he like ran back to her because like he missed her on his bachelor party or whatever and was like I didn't want to do what they were doing I just love you so much I want to marry you and I was like wow that guy is a good dude so I remember that one that was pretty vivid
0: so when you came into the game, did you have these, these memories from prior seasons you had watched with your mom? Were there any players who stood out, maybe Ryan Sutter, as being like great players that you wanted to emulate when you came into the game?
2: I just love the way like every time you guys say it, it kind of catches me when you call it the game and the players. I'm like, this is amazing. (laughs) I I don't even think about
1: it. (laughs) Yeah. To you guys, it's
2: second nature (laughs) to me. It's so foreign, but I love it. Uh, And I know that's obviously the premise (laughs) of the show. Um, But as far as like, yeah, as far as like players go, uh, I think it was more. uh, Yeah. I remember obviously Tristan Ryan. I remember like from the show, uh, Sean Lowe like was just like really well received and perceived. I thought I remember he was like the guy, the golden ask, child we call him. Yeah, the golden child. And I would ask my mom like, you know, who are people from the Fred? Because I didn't watch it too much later on. So she would like tell me the who's of who's, but I didn't. Okay. Here's what's funny. That's very correlated to your show is I didn't really study the game at all. But what I did do was, and in the actual memo that I wrote my boss to go on the show is in my book. And what I did was I looked at the last three seasons of The Bachelorette. I found them on wherever the hell they were. Like, I remember having to buy a couple seasons on like Amazon or something. And I would just fast forward to the rose ceremony, because I was trying to get an idea of how many people started and how many roses were given out every week so that I could give my boss an indication of the, I'm not kidding you guys, the percentage of likelihood of Ah, when I would return. So I would use the producers to find out Hey, like if you make it this far, like how long is that? I have to let my work know. It wasn't a lie. I had to let my work know. I'd watch the show to see how many were given out. And I have the whole percentage. I'm like, it is a there's a, you know, a twenty oh. percent chance I'm back within three days, a forty percent chance I'm back, but there were, I think it was like a ninety-two something percent chance that I'd be back after like a month of filming and uh that wasn't the case i was there for the whole two and a half months so
1: did you were you figuring that you would do better than the average when you were calculating this no. you're like yeah 30 percent go home no. night one but that won't be me
0: you no. have to assume yeah, was, you will be the average
2: i was thinking the average and i always i protect myself a little bit sometimes thinking like worst case to not uh like over uh over state like confidence. So I'll be like, yeah, I'm going home after, you know, two weeks. So if I can exceed that, I'm like happy with the expectation, but no, I didn't, I didn't think I was going to go long.
0: Did you tell any of the other players about this strategy, about these statistics that you had come up with and told your bosses?
2: Oh, uh, like in, you're saying while we were filming. Yeah. 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 A little bit, but the, the guy who knew everything, I didn't, I did more listening than talking when I was in the game, everyone knew everything. And and there was you know when you put that many, um, uh, I will say alpha personalities and a lot of egos, weren't justifiably so. I mean they're MLB players, NFL players, the creator of Venmo. I mean the list of people that were on our season. Like yeah I get it, Harlem Globetrotter. Like of course there's egos in the room. I found that it behooved me to do less talking and more listening. And I still will give him a little crap today. And we even kind of chirped him a little bit on the show, but Blake Horseman knew everything. I mean, he literally knew, he knew like what week was what week and where we were going and when we should be traveling, how many people should be getting roses. Like he knew the game cause he was such a big fan of the show. So I would often ask him how many you think is going to go. And then I would like benchmark my, my little, notes in my head and be like okay that calculation was on point
0: (laughs) so you had extreme strategy you and and we call him baylock high that's his instagram handle but blake horseman you guys had extreme strategy while you're in the game and and the reason that i asked if you told anyone about your percentages that you were calculating is because if that were ever to be outed by the producers at an itm or something to the other players it's an immediate For the wrong reasons, attack. Because if you've thought, at least in a contemporary game, if you've thought about the game at all, your place in it, when you might be kicked off, how long you might go in the season, you can immediately be accused of being for the
2: wrong reasons. Oh, for sure. I mean, I wasn't even
1: thought about being bachelor. Yeah, exactly.
2: (laughs) I wasn't talking at all openly about this. Now, the one thing is, like, for me, again, it was I used it as a strategy to get approval to work to get off of work so that I could still yeah. get paid and be approved to use. I had 20, I think it was like 24 PTO days. So if I could effectively get work to approve it with this presentation, then I would technically be being paid full time as a senior vice president corporate banker while filming the show, which was my ultimate goal.
1: Professional wow. player. Unreal. Through and through. <laughs> I'm unreal. so impressed. Did you, did you take a journal when you were in?
2: I did at first. I So I brought a journal and at first I was like, I'm just going to bring it because everyone says bring it. But I didn't expect to use it. But I used it way more than I ever anticipated. Yeah. Can we
0: ever see that journal? The Tardic Papers must be released.
2: I think I might have Because for my book, I had to find all this stuff. I might have it again.
0: Oh, my God. What an artifact <sighs> from the game.
2: Wait, this is hilarious. Yeah, I got like a bag. This is like this George
0: Brett's game. pine tar bat.
2: This is
1: hilarious. Oh you have God. it within right. arm's reach <laughs>
2: <laughs> I had to, for the book i needed stuff like this let's see what's in here i have it i didn't i didn't use a lot of this though so this is like i'm, I'm literally i feel like i'm breaking open a time
1: capsule as um, do we oh wow you don't want to know how much money chad would pay you for this <laughs> he's <laughs> he collects artifacts from the game oh
2: wow yeah there is um yeah, i have no cocktail no cocktail party because I wrote notes about like Wayne, what happened? I wrote Straight Wayne, fucking Wayne Newton. That was a bad one. I screwed up. <laughs> uh, but
0: you got to meet Wayne Newton. We we'll get to. to oh, some look of the at dates. this!
2: Things I'll never forget. I've not. Ne- I've never even seen this. You're uh, like
1: I've forgotten all of these.
2: <laughs> yeah, this is so funny. Helping Colton with the Tia situation. <laughs> uh oh man this is like games of blackjack like the guys we would play like blackjack in different games date stuff yeah there's a uh, the different gifts i talk about gifts saturday day three post hometown um oh i wow. don't know is oh, it illegal for
0: you to ever publish that stuff or not illegal no, but is it against your contract i just
2: haven't honestly looked into this eddie took eric top three this is oh I re- oh this is so funny I don't think I ever shared this I uh, there was a t- oh I was like I was sitting in like the hotel after my hometown and someone recognized me at the pool and I remember uh, when because wow. uh, I think from from, the cast list? from reality Steve or something so she was like a big fan and I was sitting by the pool and she said something like, like are you filming like she so like she knew about the like specifics of like where the hometowns were at or something and she's like are you filming right now and i just like stopped and i was like i can't really have this conversation so i didn't really partake in it and she's and i remember her saying she's like okay i respect that but i hope you get a i hope you get a uh, what'd she say a live a live concert like uh blake did or something like that or she's like i hope you get a live concert Oh, God. And I remember like, my mom was like, what God. the hell? I got chicken wings in an ice skating rink. And then I remember at the rose ceremony, I said to Blake, I'm like, you got a live concert. You sicko. You know, and he just started laughing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. I'll have to go through that journal one day.
0: I'm telling you, no player has published their journal from the show. Yeah. I, I think the first one that does it, it will be a New York times bestseller mm-hmm. instantaneously. Uh, especially if it's got some dirt <laughs> in it, obviously. I but feel like you, yeah, wait.
2: that's true. That's probably true.
1: Real quick, you went in, I listened to you on a podcast where you were talking about you were up for a different bachelor auction, like for charity, and this is how you ended up getting cast?
2: Yeah, funny story. So there's uh, Gilda's Club, uh, Gilda Radner, famous SNL comedian. She died abruptly of ovarian cancer, so they created this non-for-profit called Gilda's Club, and it's in communities all over uh, all of the United States, and they raise funds to provide... Uh, For families that are undergoing cancer treatment of some form. And so they had this Gilda's bachelor auction. And so it was all different people from the area, you would have to get a sponsor. So you have to raise money before, and then you would have to try and get friends and family to raise money and support you. And you'd go out and you'd kind of like dance and people would actually bid on you to go on a date. But with the bid, they got a package of all these goods and all the bid, the, the date money went obviously directly to the charity. So that night, um, like my best buddy Hawk and I did it. And I think he he ended up coming in like, I don't know, third or second of raising the most money. And that night I raised the most money. And it was, I'm not kidding, it was like eight months later. He was did like you a do a Sunday. dance
1: performance? How did oh yeah, yeah, yeah! I came out to
2: roll uh, old time rock and roll. I had like American flag sunglasses on and American flag tie. I took my shirt off. I was like, well, I took my blazer off. I was spinning it. I had a, you know, beach balls. I was going nuts. I was going at your, your best friend's
0: name is Hawk.
2: Hawk. Hawk. So this Hawk. is
0: all very Top Gun to me. <laughs> is, your friend is, is a call, very call top sign. Gun. <laughs> Doing American flag beach ball performances yeah, yeah. oh.
2: at that a. That's so funny. Yeah. So Hawk calls me now. I This was in Rochester, New York. I moved from Rochester to Seattle and I get a call from Hawk and it was on Sunday. He's like, dude, I got to tell you something. I was like, whoa, I got to tell you something. And I was like, you go first. And he's like, the bachelor called me um, to be casted for the bachelorette. And I was like, whoa. I got a phone call and they left a voicemail to be, to call back to be cast for that show. You gotta be kidding me. And we're we're convinced it came from that night where our our videos Mm -hmm. were submitted because there's like 2,500 people there and we both got the call the same day. We both went through the casting process. I ended up getting on the show. He didn't. But ironically enough, there was an episode where they surprised me with three of my best friends, and Hawk was there. So right. he still jokes around. He's like, season 14, episode 6, I got two minutes of airtime. I was on the show." Right. <laughs> he made it. Or it
0: could have been a scout. Like in any professional sport, they're sending bachelor scouts out to these other events, these kind of little minor league events, like what you're doing to, to scout for talent. That I is- think
2: they do that in L.A. I'm not sure they're going all the way to Racha. Or new york to
0: do that no no i don't think so either. <laughs> i'm sure it was a video but did you have any idea when you went into the show that you might be able to come out of this with a social media platform big enough to make a viable career to be able to transition no. completely into that
2: no so answer is definitely not uh i didn't know enough about social media i knew that obviously other players as you guys would say had created these like wild followings, but I never thought similar to me, not thinking I wouldn't like go long. I was just like, if that type of thing happens, like, cool. But I had no expectation of it. And I think, I think the people that have an expectation of it typically are the people that are let down.
0: Interesting. Well, I'll just say this. I've started coaching players with the, Everyone has a different goal. I'll say that much. But some of their goals are specifically and only to go into the show to get a massive social media following. And I will just say, I don't think that's a bad thing. And yeah. it can be very successful.
2: Yeah. Especially now. I mean, this is 2018. Um, you know, so was, the game was different. Now there's so much transparency around the fact, you know, and in influencing, you can make some damn good money. Before then, people laughed at influencers, like, look at these idiots. They didn't realize how much they were raking in. Um, I think that anyone that, I'll say this statement, and I'll live by this, and I would challenge anyone that says anything otherwise, any individual that goes on national network reality television, there is a small portion, maybe it's only a percent maybe it's 90%. I think it varies, but there is a portion you are going on for a potential opportunity. There's not mm-hmm. one person that's entering that scenario without at least a percentage of thought that there could there could be opportunity and that could be a, a driver as to why you're doing it.
0: Of course, just because like you're saying, you're laying out the stats of well, it's this likely I'm gonna get sent home in two weeks, so I'll be back at my job or whatever. I think everybody goes in, at least with a a rudimentary understanding of the raw statistics, mm-hmm. that you're going up against thirty other people, roughly. Right. So your odds are about two and a half to three percent that you could make it to the, you know, final spot or even the the last two spots. It's roughly the same of maybe becoming the next lead. Those odds are not good. Right. But you have to be aware of it. You have to be calculating it. I don't know if you know the answer to this, but even if you can speculate, I think it would be fascinating. Of all the players who have come through the game, who do you think has been able to parlay their post-game career into the most money? Who do you think has made the most off of their Mm. social media, subsequent appearances, podcasts, whatever? And what do you think that number is, by the way?
2: Who do I think has made the most money? I mean, it's got to be close. I mean... Jesse has got to be up there. Palmer, you think? Yeah, I think so. I think Jesse Palmer. He's gotten some big deals. He's in the ABC group. He's now hosting. I bet you his social media is low though. He's
0: not making like
2: oh uh, yeah. Oh, you're saying just on social media? I'm
0: saying everything included because there are people like Vial, for example, yeah, who has a huge social media following. So he's doing SpawnCon. His podcast is gigantic. He's dabbled in some kind of like acting and things like that. He's not making much money off that, obviously. Even Caitlin, I mean, she's got to be doing very well with everything she's doing still in the ABC family. She hosted two seasons of the show, Mm -hmm. one Dancing with the Stars, has a successful wine, scrunchy podcast.
2: Yeah, she's definitely up there. I would say she's up there for that. Um, I would say the answer, if you're saying who is monetized the most from being on the show, as it relates to utilizing their platform to create monetization and only monetization. I'm not saying like, you know, like maybe Jesse Palmer went into like just TV, like just that. I think it's going to be a female and it's going to be a former lead. And I think, you know, when you look at the followings of the leads who have absolutely crushed it, you have the assumptions, and I, those are definitely accurate. When you look at like a Caitlin or a JoJo or Hannah Brown, Hannah Brown um, uh, Jillian, Har- Jillian Harris has built an M. Oh, empire. God. I know. um north of the border you know? but there's so many people who have done a really good job just like not in the world of the bachelor of monica but they have not used the leverage the platform as much but they mm-hmm. have like totally like travis stork absolutely crushes it in the health uh. field and he was on the doctor's tv for like 10 years and he was doing yeah. a lot of tv work so there's no bachelor function there but yeah you know obviously nick does very well with his stuff so there's definitely a ton of monetization there as well. But the females will always do better for the most part.
1: Yeah, that is my question though. Why do you think that they're just better at being influencers? There's more of a market for it. Why no, do you think that? It's, it's just
2: it's- that, it, it, it's that the audience, like if you look at any of our social medias, any one of us that's been on the show, our audience is going to be at the lowest end, at the absolute lowest end. It's going to be 85%. Okay females and the age mm-hmm. demographic is for the the, the large majority of it, it's like 18 to 44 so when you are have that category your ability to relate your ability to put um content that is useful your ability to sell is going to be significantly higher when it is a, a female selling to a female as opposed to a male selling to a female, especially when you look at the categories within social media influencing where there's big dollars, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, th- the beauty space and the lifestyle space and the attire space, it's going to be um, an easier, just natural connection. We're talking about all things, right? Like you just think about like building the connection over like, you know, dealing with like, you know, menstrual cycles and the, the, the impact of it and the emotions of it and and actually having like a baby and like that, you know, you think about the different cycles of life, like naturally they'll always um, connect more with their audience.
0: And so as we're talking about who these players are, who are at the top of this mountain, what is that mountain? How many dollars comprise that mountain? What is like a Hannah Brown making
2: Uh, per year? I in mean, an estimation. I assume you don't know specifically yeah, I don't, but <laughs> I don't I don't have a clue He's but like,
1: I do her finances. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah.
2: I would that would be great. Uh no, I would say anyone in that realm is if like if managed properly and they're doing it right, should de- like I mean absolutely if you play like the over under game, absolutely uh over the six figure mark and certainly in the seven figure mark.
0: You think just from social media programming alone? Cause Hannah Brown also had a book come out that did very well.
2: Yeah. I mean, so, but the basis of the sales from the, obviously the, you know, I had a book that, you know, we've done about 25,000 copies or so, but that's great. But the basis of that is coming through your social media. Right. So they're not, yeah, yeah. It's in Barnes and Noble and yeah, it's here, but that's not those eyeballs aren't selling. It's you selling it. So like her unbelievable book success, which she has crushed it with her book. Um, that is coming from her social platform.
0: Yeah. We had a book come out this year as well. And we, <laughs> we know all too well. It's, it's a up lot to us and only us to sell it that book
1: a lot. I know, you but we're already doing more. worse than Jason. Jason has his book yeah. right behind him in his zoom. For
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so listening. That day. <laughs> Absolutely.
1: And you're matching it with your outfit and, and mug. Oh,
2: that was God. unintentional, but I'll take
1: professional. it. Professional. <laughs> <laughs> So Mm. let's get into your season, Bachelorette Season 14. It's one of the most stacked player rosters of all time. You have Grocery Store Joe, who Mm. we didn't know back then, but he eventually reaches the heights of the Million Instagram Club, became an official Bachelor Nation podcast host. We have Blake Horseman, aka Baylock Guy, who'd go on to become the most outspoken player in players' rights advocacy in the nation. We have Colton Underwood, who would become a Bachelor, crack into the 2 Million Club, and obviously become one of the most controversial figures in the history of the game. And Kufrin (laughs) herself, who would go on to host Bachelor Nation podcasts, become the face of the game in the podcast world, and host Bachelor Live on stage. So... A stacked, stacked season. <laughs>
0: Do you have any idea when you're going into the game that, that these kinds of things are possible? Or, or let me ask, I guess it's easier to ask this. Were you aware that the fan base of this show was so fervent no. that, that you were entering really a world unto itself, almost like uh, the Star Wars universe or the Marvel universe when you became a player in this game?
2: No, I'm not, I didn't have a damn clue how this this audience is a very, very engaged audience. Very, very, very engaged audience. Um, so I had I hear some <laughs>
1: suffering in that tone. I had, I just had no idea.
2: Like I had am like, oh, what is going on here? How is this all working? Uh so I had no, I had no idea about that. Um, and all those, you know, I think you talk about a lot of those opportunities. Uh, even like you look at like the Bachelor Podcast and live on stage, like none of that was there when I was there, and a lot of them came to fruition after. But I do remember when opportunities started coming in at, even after the show, I didn't know like once we finish filming, I don't know what's going to happen. Like you have no idea what's going to happen, and then all of a sudden it hits you like, uh, I mean, out of nowhere, it's like an uppercut that like knocks you out. You're like, what just happened? Like what's going on? You know? And for the good and bad, like you're getting people dissecting into like all your different lives, and you're hearing about, you know, your ex girlfriends are getting called from different people wanting to know things, oh God. and you know, you're all this like crazy shit's going on, but then. All of a sudden, someone's like, yeah, uh, Jason, so we want you to go to this club, like bring your friends, we're gonna pay for everything and then we'll give you like, you know, oh, yeah, does eight grand work? And you're like, excuse me? Like, what'd you say? Like, yeah, uh, so does that work for you? I'm like, to go to a bar? And they're like, yeah, we'll get your flights and hotel too, we'll get your meals and you're just like, what is going on? Which are you kind of looking like? What's happened? And that hits you quick. And there's there's a, there's a learning curve that just gets really intense. And you either figure it out quickly, uh, you get burned a bunch of times, or you just step away. From it.
0: Support for today's episode comes from One Skin. If you have sensitive skin, you're gonna to want to hear about One Skin's scientifically proven topical supplements. This is face, eye
1: Get started today with 15% off using code ROSES at Oneskin.co. That's 15% off Oneskin.co with code ROSES. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support Gore and tell them that we sent you.
0: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year is flying by. We're almost halfway through it. now. I've done a lot of things that I'm proud of this year. A lot of them related to gore. We've had some great interviews. We're kicking it up a level to get on YouTube. We're really taking it to the next place. But there's still a lot that I would like to accomplish this year. And when life is moving fast, it's important to take a moment to celebrate your wins and to make adjustments for the rest of the year. Therapy can help you take stock of your progress and then set achievable goals for the next six months so that you get all those things done that you want to get done lizzie talks about all the time how beneficial therapy has been for her my friend will on my other podcast talks about it all the time and i agree it is very good it's a great tool to be able to talk things out in your life with somebody else who can set you on the right path to getting all those goals accomplished if you're thinking of starting therapy give BetterHelp a try it's entirely online it's designed to be convenient flexible and suited to your schedule you just fill out a brief questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists literally at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Game today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Game of Roses.
1: Clues. Mm -hmm. I've been on a mission. I'm trying to find the perfect T-shirt. Yeah. um, Because it's spring. I'm ready to get out there. I'm ready to peacock. Luckily, the perfect T-shirt does exist. And you can find it at Skims. From cropped silhouettes to long-sleeve layering tees, there's a style for everyone. You guys know how excited I was that Skims became one of our sponsors for this podcast. They have great basics and foundations. I got the boyfriend t-shirt in onyx. That's kind of a dark black color. And the cotton jersey long sleeve t-shirt in kyanite, which is kind of like a blue green. And they're both so comfortable. It's basically like you are wearing nothing. Nothing.
0: And the show has no system in place to kind of get you ready for this like other professional sports do.
2: Yeah, I can't speak for what the show does now. Um, you know, they, they give guidance and stuff like that. They're, they're very, you know, they try and be very supportive. But as far as the business aspect of what you're going to do with what you have been given, given the fact you're on a television show for however long you may be on, is all up to you.
0: God damn. And so when you come off the show, you came off in third place, obviously got the huge heartbreak at it. People thought you were going to be the next bachelor. You mentioned people are like calling your ex-girlfriends and stuff. Is that the producers calling them or is that just other people calling them?
2: No, that was just like other people like digging stuff up and like Mm -hmm. wanting dirt and um like just trying to like get information to just like put out there and you know stuff like that and i think did you
1: prep your family and exes and stuff
2: i did i told yeah pretty yeah i called everyone yeah and i just told them hey this is what's going on and my family was not thrilled but (laughs) my boss wasn't (laughs) even your mom oh no she was like you're not going on that show i was like no i think i'm going i was like i think i'm going to she's like no you're not and I was like, holy shit. I was like, mom, I think I'm going to. And she's like, this is my, like, you, there's three boys in this family. I'm on an island by myself. My little world is the bachelor. My friends and I gossip about it. Like, that's our world. You just stay out of there. And I was like, mom, I'm going. And then she was like, like, freaking out about it. And I was like, don't worry. You're not, you're like, you won't be involved. I'll be kicked off before you're involved. And then, of course, yeah, there's
1: an X percent chance that I'm making. And <laughs> <then>, of, <hometowns. laughs> of course, you got to call for
2: hometowns. And was yeah, like, but she was great. Yeah. Your whole
0: hometown. Let's just yeah. get right to it. This is the first round of playoffs. You go to your hometown, your whole family's there. And it, they turn out, I think, one of the best familial performances of all time, including your brother and his husband, which, to our knowledge, is the first representation of a gay couple that has ever been on The Bachelor.
2: I think it was. I mean, I don't know the the history that well, but I think it was. And not only was it that reputation, but it was beautifully done uh, by everyone involved, right? It wasn't a thing. It wasn't, let's make this a scene or a one-on-one like deep talk. It was just, this is my brother and this is his husband. This is my mom and this is my dad. Nice to meet everyone. And it was, it was great.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. Did you know in that moment that you were, in some way helping to push the culture of the game forward in a more progressive Um, angle? No,
2: no, I, I had no idea. I I, no No, I had no idea, but I will say that after watching it back and seeing the reaction, I was like, wow, that's, that's amazing. Um, Maybe some of the reason I had no idea is because I would never like, I don't know, maybe oblivious to, it It was just like growing up in a family the way I grew up and I just always Mm -hmm. like, it was, it was second nature. It wasn't, it wasn't totally. made to be a big deal. It wasn't made to be a yeah. big discussion point.
0: But I think it might also be because, you know, we see this as a professional sport. Some people do, some people <laughs> don't. Some people agree with us, some people don't. But in the end, like, I, I'm i a big sports fan as well, like you. My dad was my coach for everything. I played all the fucking sports growing up, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And I I really liken the the progression of The Bachelor it specifically in terms of it's like social progress to other professional sports where you still don't have like an out gay major league baseball player you know those things happen so slowly in these sports and so with something like the Mm -hmm. bachelor to even see the representation of it in a way that is normal and that they're not calling attention i I just thought it was like it was a very big moment in the history of the sport and uh you know, like you're saying, you're not aware of it because maybe you don't see it like that. But the body of media that exists from the show over the past 20 whatever years, you just get these little smatterings of things like that of any yeah. kind of progressive leaning. Those are always super, super important.
2: Yeah, because you see the same type
1: of hometown date happen again and again, and it is a it is a slow moving train with you know certain progressive aspects of it.
2: Hundred percent. So that's actually so so well said, and yeah, I think the way it was done and the way it all came out was just beautiful. It was great.
1: Um, you just real quickly your first night, you you have a pretty subdued night one. You do what we call an it takes two limo exit where you interact with the bachelorette and you do a secret handshake from back home did you plan that out was there any thought of uh recreating your your top gun strip tees <laughs> instead
2: <laughs> i guess i'm like not the most creative but I, can't, I talk about it in the book i i came up with the whole idea i mean one thing i said was i don't know if it made it or not i don't think it did my parents have been married for over 35 years uh, the basis of their relationship and like i've just seen their love grow every day the basis of their uh, relationship is their best friends that's what i want with my partner and the only place i could think to start is my best friends and i back home all have our own handshakes so let's start somewhere made a handshake and that was it um so that was that's what i came that was my little creative brain and what i came up with and uh nothing you know very boring and vanilla but got the go and went for it
1: I like it. I think a, hand, a secret handshake is actually like subtly a really good play because then you have this thing that you're known for, even if they maybe forget your name, they <laughs> still can associate you with that. Exactly. Um, like when you, you
2: start the next conversation, you have like a common ground to, to start it with. Yeah. Even if they Break people. the
1: touch <laughs> barrier. Yeah. 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 There, I think it's-
0: At a certain point, you, you wind up in Vegas and you're not on this date. This is a one-on-one date with Colton. But you get ushered into what we call a peeping Tom, which is where the producers force you to look out a window at the one on one day as it's occurring. And you guys are all pressed up against this window in your suite. I think you're at the Aria and a car is coming down the the road and there's a big billboard, a LED sign that says kiss her. And you guys all put together. This <laughs> is for Colton Beck Becca Kufrin. How does being kind of the victim of a peeping tom actually work do the producers get you do they, are they like pushing you toward the window or they just tell you like hey go look at that window
2: well there's always so much to do you're sitting in a suite for hours and hours and then there's like this the windows are huge and you see it all and one person sees it and you all run over there i mean that's what happened at the aria like we all saw like i mean the aria sign was in our face i mean it was like It was in our face, the way we're talking to each other. And there wasn't much going on. We're all seeing the fan room and someone saw it. And of course the reaction went from there. And uh, yeah, I do actually remember that. And everyone was just like all bummed out, especially, especially like the people that like were the front runners that you could see, like their emotions were impacted much more severely than I think everyone else's.
0: Does anybody in those moments where somebody's getting super pissed, like, Oh, I can't believe this. Is anybody like chill, dude, the producers are trying to get us mad. Is anybody aware of what is actually happening in these situations?
2: I mean, I think so, but no one really, it just isn't, it wasn't really talked about, you know? And I think you're also, you're just in the, in a bubble where you're not, everyone i think it's always like it's easy to be you know it's easy to be the quarterback on monday like it's easy to like look back on it or Mm -hmm. from the outside and be like duh but when you're in it it's not like that in the way that you would assume yeah like you're you're very focused on what's right in front of your face uh probably because there's nothing else Right. There's like you guys know, I'm sure you've heard it a million times. There's no phone, no TV, no internet, no, you know, anything like that. So you're just very, What's in your front is what's right here is magnified uh, to a level that's much different than your just everyday life, checking the boxes, going meeting to meeting, getting your stuff done, having conversations.
1: Oh, I love to Monday quarterback. I'm like, if I went in this game, I would just be crying the whole time. I couldn't do any of this. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I like to respect the good plays. It's intense. Like, I
2: remember, I mean, I like the way you guys talk about a game. Like, it's just intense. Like, the, you know, just the traveling and the mental aspect of it. And then as your feelings grow, like, you know, all this stuff and the curiosities of where you stand. I mean, it's intense. It's crazy.
0: As I said, I've been a sports fan my entire life. I don't watch any other sports now. Because this one to me is... It's so fucking difficult. You have to be... I mean, we've broken it down that basically you're playing to four audiences at any given time. The... Uh audience one is the lead, whoever the bachelor bachelorette is. Audience two is the other players that you're in there with. Yep. Audience three is the producers, and audience four is us at home watching all of this. We are ultimately the people who determine how much money you make by putting a number next to your head, <laughs> which is not true of any other sport. That also makes this interesting to me. But I can't imagine, you know, how difficult playing that game must be at a high level. And opposite to Pay's case, if I came into the game, I'd be there with all my fucking charts. I'd w- I'd be like, we have an 87% statistical likelihood that the next group date is going to be yeah. a fucking artistic endeavor. And if it is, this is what I need to do to secure group resident. You know, <laughs> I'd have it like robotically planned
2: out. That's I'd amazing. i probably fail. I love but... it.
1: <laughs> um, that week in Vegas, you get one of the greatest group dates in history. You get to meet Wayne Newton at his home in Vegas and write songs about Kufrin to the tune of his classic hit. Don Shane. what was it like getting to meet one of the biggest celebrity guests in the history of the show?
2: It was so badass. I remember like getting to meet him. We got to do a tour of his house too, and so like he, his house is pretty much like a museum. Like he has like all these cars that were either gifted to him or have some type of meaning with like you know like a Liberace or Frank Sinatra or something like some big name. And he like I remember seeing the one. It was, an, it was, I think it was a note that Frank had written. It was a note that Frank had written Wayne and it was like very soon, before he passed away and it was like all framed and like Wayne would be showing us. And I was, I remember I was like upfront asking him all these questions about things. I'm like, what about this? And what about this? And where'd you get this? And he was like, just wanted to showcase it all, which was so cool. Um, So that was really fun. I really loved that episode. His wife was awesome. Um, And one thing that was funny is I got to, I got to sing Aladdin as loud as I could in front of everyone in the middle of Wayne Newton's family room, which was so much fun. That's a story <laughs> I won't forget. Um, he like, oh my he God. gave me the thumbs up. Oh, yeah, I did the whole thing like, bump bump, gotta keep one jump. I mean, I went in and he was laughing so hard. That was fun. Um, Donka Shane, I didn't know the words, nor do I, nor did I know the beat of it. So like doing that whole date was really, really challenging. And then the other thing that made it really challenging is the speed in which the band was playing. Don Shane, it, they went like really fast. And so it threw, I was like, I don't even know what I'm doing. It was a mess. So it was fun though. Like, it was really cool.
1: I can only do Aladdin. <laughs> yeah. I was like, can
2: I just like, yeah, remix into something else here?
1: Were there any players
0: who didn't know who he was?
2: No. Everyone All knew. Right. Who he I was, was just curious. Yeah. Because no, sometimes they'll throw
0: far. a celebrity guest in there that like nobody knows who the fuck oh, they are, yeah, including the, right. the at home watching audience. But Wayne Newton was like, in my mind, pro- he's probably the most famous. One of the most famous for sure of any celebrity guests they've had.
2: Maybe like one of the most Ashton legendary. Kutcher. Yeah, Ashton's yeah. up there. He Lacunas. Uh, yeah.
0: Seal seal is my all-time seal
2: Seal Seal. favorite singer (laughs) that's so funny what a blast from the past yeah he played at one of the weddings right because i remember caitlin saying yeah i think it was jaden tanner's wedding
0: possibly he was on it before too he was in a brad womack season i forget which one okay gotcha he
1: played it didn't he play at the the final rose ceremony season seven was that him
0: no (laughs) <laughs> that uh, no. was, uh, I forget who that was, but I know what you're talking about. It's not seal anyway. <laughs> so then we get to the next week. You have your first one on one in Richmond, Virginia, and it's, uh, what we call a win in Rome. You do a full walking tour of Richmond landmarks. You attend a, uh, this weird unhappy hour, which is a bunch of goth people, uh, having drinks and doing splits and stuff. It seems like something that producers have manufactured. And this is where your friends come in. Hawk. And you, uh, at the end of this, you go to a bar, they're all there and they kind of give you a glow. They give you the approval to Kufrin. He's a great guy. You're going to love him. All that you say in an ITM, uh, that it was really sweet of her and, and you thank her basically for setting this up. Were you aware at the time that she had nothing to do with this, that the producers (laughs) was
2: (laughs) (laughs) was I aware at the time? Um, maybe i think like i i don't (laughs) like maybe like no i know no i wasn't no i like thought in my head like she probably said this is what she wanted to do and they'll like make it happen like i didn't i didn't know what i you know the old adage like if i knew then what i know now no i don't Mm. think i did (laughs) Wow. Like all I okay. knew
1: was Hawk had bribed the producers just to get yeah. on the season. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I think in these scenarios too like in all these scenarios like ignorance is bliss. Like you don't want to be the person that knows all this cuz you're gonna it's mm. gonna catch up to you or you're going to try and game something or you're going to be something you're not. Like the the way to go in is just like you're riding a roller coaster and st- you're, when you're riding a roller coaster, especially if you're not in the front seat, you can't see what's next. You just have to go with it, and that is what ends up being the best result of everything. And I think you've seen it. You guys know better than me. But like the guys that like guys and gals that study this stuff and like try and angle or like try and start dating before paradise, it's like it never works out. And that's one of the things I actually really or it
1: works out so well that you don't even yeah. know.
0: I mean, I would I would ask you to have a conversation with a player called Madison Pruitt. Or okay. Hannah Sluss. I mean, they're... Tell me in our more. Opinion, Let me hear it. In our opinion, they're the first two professional players that we've ever seen. I don't know if they're overtly aware of the fact okay. that they went in with plans, but I think they've been watching the show since birth, essentially. Okay. And by osmosis, if nothing else, they understand the components of the game at a level so high that no one can come close to it. And they obviously crushed season 24. And in Madison Pruitt, you have something actually very special which is not only someone who's watched every season of the show and understands implicitly the rules and and structure of it. She has a father who's ultra competitive. He's a college basketball coach. Part of her introduction package was her wearing like 10 fucking high school championship rings or whatever. She's bred to be a competitor, and she got plopped in the situation that she absolutely dominated. And now watching her post-game career... She's dating a kid who's the son of a billionaire and she's on the verge of opening her own like televangelical, uh, preacher, whatever, you know, like she's going to open some kind of online church very soon. And I think,
1: (laughs) and the rest of our questions are about Madison. (laughs) (laughs) It's just my game analysis, but I
0: think, you know, for the most part, I think you're right. An adaptive strategy is probably best because, all you really have at the end of the day is these percentages. What is most likely to happen? But what happens when that doesn't happen? What happens when the thing that is statistically least likely to happen happens? You have to be able to pivot and, and switch and kind of like bob and weave. Um, and certainly, I think in, in prior eras, that was you know, ba- basically the only way you could come in. But now, I think you have to have a good game sense or you're completely fucked. Because if you come in just saying, eh, I'll see what happens... I think most likely is you'll be in what we call a mid-season floater. You won't get a lot of screen time and you'll wash out somewhere in the regular season toward playoffs, but you won't make it to playoffs. And then as a result, what we're seeing now with Instagram followings, you won't get the numbers that people used to get by being able to do that.
2: Sure. Sure. That's, that's interesting. Um, I think yes and no. I mean, you know, you could run into a lead, like you could be someone that goes on a season who was on a previous season and would have won the season. And then you're on this season and the lead just has no interest in you. Like if there, if there's no interest in you, unless it's like you're going, you're not, you're not. No, that's only
0: one audience. If the lead has no interest to you, you pivot immediately to a third audience, a second audience game where you're trying to befriend the other players and also tell the producers, I'll do whatever the fuck you want. I'm going to give you good TV.
2: Yeah. But so the amount of people that are capable of that are like, one or two, like do you think like Demi is witty, hilarious, funny, intuitive, quick, fast. Most can't pivot like that.
0: I agree, and that's what I'm talking about. I okay. like I, as I said, I'm trying to coach that's players now.
1: Still looking for his Tom Brady. I'm
0: looking for my Tom Brady. <laughs> I've coached some very capable players. They won't allow a Tom Brady. They have no idea Tom Brady is coming. They can't stop Tom Brady. <laughs> This, I mean, basically what I have I'm learned in, in coaching theory. the last two seasons-ish and certainly moving into 27, 27, I think, is probably where I'll do some of my finest work. Um I've learned a lot just about how the system works from having players come out of it and tell me, like, this is what you're going to see on screen, but here's what actually happened or, you know, whatever. I can now start to manipulate edits a little bit, which is a, a second tier of coaching ultimately mm-hmm. it's like the game is crystal clear and the book that we wrote about like breaking it down is accurate. These, these strategies work for sure. Huh. And I think it now is in an era where you have to be able to play to all four audiences, especially if you can't play to the first, because the lead does have the power to kick you off at any time. Like that is Pat, you know, you can't get around that, but oh. you kind of can if you get in with the producers and the lead is like, I'm not interested in this person. The producers are gonna be like, great. You just have to keep them around for two more weeks and then you can kick them off. Oh, we, we need her for one more week. Keep her around for one more week. Then you can kick her off. You know, there are ways to stay in the show that have nothing to do with the lead.
2: So do you have people like coming to you that are going to go on the show and ask you for your strategy? I've,
0: I've placed players in the show. At wow. This point. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Find place well, players in the show. What does that mean?
0: Taking them from a DM saying, I want to go on this show to constructing their persona writing their application editing their application video walking them through scenarios giving them statistical likelihoods saying this is what your early game strategy is deep game long game if this happens this is what you should do blah 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 would you ever Um,
2: expose those people
0: no it will only ever be up to them if they ever want to discuss it talk about it publicly i'm happy to support that conversation but i will never reveal who any of them
2: are wow hmm interesting (laughs) Well,
1: Jason, you can you can uh, <laughs> you can play good strategy, whether you're trying to or not, and we saw a lot of that as you <laughs> headed into playoffs. After your one on one, you talked about your grandmother and Alzheimer's, and you bond with Kufrin over this. So get that one on one date, and then in the Bahamas, you end up on this three on one with Wills and Leo, and. Kufrin is a little worried that you're a little too reserved. Maybe you haven't upped your love levels as fast as the other ones, but you do secure the rose anyway and seem unstoppable at this point. At any point in this, are you like, I think my odds have changed at all, or you're like, I didn't calculate this correctly?
2: I mean, I think when you're going on a three-on-one, and you've only got one one-on-one, and the other one-on-ones are all guys who have had, like, one or two or maybe even three one-on-ones at this point, you know that like you're thinking it's still you're not great, right? Like I'm still like not in a great position here yeah. uh, for what I want, but Once, you know, you become the one person that comes out of the three-on-one, like I did, your confidence starts peaking pretty quickly. Like it escalates pretty fast, I would say. So the confidence gets there, but there's, or at least for me, like my confidence after that day was pretty high, but still certainly had some doubts.
0: Yeah. I mean, your, your whole season was interesting because you did keep your love level very low until we, we talked (laughs) about, you had this amazing hometown Everything seemed to go good, and I think you probably felt some pressure at that point to raise it because you went from what was a a Love Level 1 early in the season to a Love Level 4 in the auto zone when you and Kufrin are standing outside by the car. You're so insanely in love with you. Bold play. We don't really see a skipping of Love Level 2 and 3 like that. Sometimes people skip 2, but not usually 3. And uh, you wind up moving on to the Round 2 of playoffs, Fantasy Suites, which takes place in Chiang Mai, Thailand. And you get the second fantasy suite and everything seems to be going well, except not for Becca Kufrin. We see <laughs> she is starting to feel that something is off. And that night, instead of uh, presenting you with a fantasy suite card, she says, you know, this just isn't working for me. I got to send you home. I don't want to put you through this kind of a thing. And that's it. You You get summarily dismissed and it seems like you're set up to be the next Bachelor here? Going out in third place is statistically very good to to get the next lead. And even at your hot seat in the uh, Mentel Hall, you get a, a very good heartbreak edit. And it seems like you're on track to be the next Bachelor. You We know that you were contacted to be the next Bachelor from various podcasts and conversations. What is it like to get that call and then to go through that whole process to ultimately not have it happen?
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, it's... I, I think I just went through... I went through this whole thing, like from start to finish, when they asked me to go on to when that phone call came in with just keeping my expectations super low. And I just, I don't know that that was the right thing or the wrong thing, but even when that happened, I'm like, They're not going to make me that. Like, that's not going to happen. I'm not going to be the best. Like, there's just no way. There's no way. And even with people being like, it's a hundred percent. Like when I say like people like the public or friends, it's going to be you. It's going to be you. Uh, I still was like, I just never thought that was actually going to be the situation. I thought for sure it was going to be Blake. I was mm-hmm. like, it's definitely going to be mm-hmm. like, like he had his heart literally shattered to pieces. Like his exit was, I was crying for the guy watching his exit. Yeah, and, like was brutal. You know, I was on the show. He had, you know, we always talked about like, he had like a ton of one-on-ones. He had a ton of group date roses. He had the best dates. Like I joked around about the concert. Like he had the live concert, not once I think, but twice. Like he had everything that would be like, perfect scenario for him to be you know the guy so i thought for sure it was going to be him and at no point was i ever looking in the mirror saying i will be the bachelor like never
1: hmm. well it ended up being a good thing because you ended up getting engaged to the person who i believe is the greatest player of all time caitlin <laughs> bristow how does it feel to be engaged to the goat
2: it's so funny uh well it's uh what an honor it is to be engaged to the (laughs) girl I don't really think about it in those terms uh but yeah she is uh she you know we've we've been together now three and a half years she's an incredible person uh is an inspiration is a hard worker um the learning curves that she's had to learn from a business perspective, like she's learned quickly and she's just very driven. Like she's very driven. She knows herself better than anyone. And she's built an incredible community an incredible business. And, you know, this is wildly, wildly, wildly life-changing for her. Right. I mean, for all of us, by the way, every single Mm -hmm. person is life-changing, but for her, like when her story of just kind of being lost, living on her parents' couch, not knowing what's next, but knowing that there was something bigger than what she was doing and always believing in that. And then getting this opportunity. And you talk about like having, having that it factor. I mean, she's hilarious. She's funny. She's relatable. She doesn't give a shit. She stays uh, in her lane, no matter what lane someone tries to veer her into. She is relentlessly herself. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty It's pretty exciting, inspiring, and, and fun to, to be her partner.
1: I loved all of the like parasocial content that you made during her Dancing with the Stars run, like these yeah. TikTok videos with your voiceover. Those brought me to tears. Were you making all of that content by yourself? Do you no, have like, an a,
2: editing team? I was sitting in a 1,200-foot square apartment for three months, like losing my shit. It was awful. <laughs> Dancing with the Stars was <laughs> awful. And it was so bad because I couldn't do anything. If I ever walked outside, I had this deep concern that I'm going to bring COVID in the house. She got tested every day. So if she got tested positive, that would be my fault. And these poor dogs were sitting in this 1200 square foot apartment. So every time they had to go to the bathroom, I had to walk them down, but we're in the middle of Hollywood. So there aren't really any like bits of, um, of grass to bring them to. So that you talk about like content, I had nothing else to do, but work. I just worked and worked every day. I couldn't work out The gym was closed because of COVID. So I literally just like, would run around the blocks and then take the dogs for walks every two hours and make content.
0: <laughs> well, we're, we're glad you made it through all of that. And we're so glad that you had uh, some time to sit down and talk with us today. Yes. Uh, thank you. This, this has just been absolutely eye-opening incredible we truly think that your podcast trading secrets is the best free agent podcast from bachelor nation bar none i listen to it constantly Uh, and cannot thank you enough for just putting it together because there's so much valuable stuff in it talking about the business of social media influence and the business of of being in the bachelor um so please everybody check out trading secrets if you haven't already and check out the restart roadmap rewire and reset your career jason tardick's book and again thanks so much for joining us today
2: Thank you guys so much for having me. This was fun. I love the new jargon and concepts, and I think I might even watch the show with a different angle now, knowing what I know from you guys.
0: Oh, oh we, we recommend that. <laughs> it elevates was the a, experience of
2: watching it for this sure. This
1: is a true treat for us, and we have thousands of questions if you ever want to come back.
2: All right. I appreciate it. Well, thank you guys so much for having me, and uh, I, uh, I I look forward to tuning in for the next recaps.
1: All right, fantastic, yes. man. All right, guys, take Thanks care. Thanks, Jason. Yep. Take care. Bye. What a phenomenal interview with Jason Tardick. The guy is a legend, and we were so happy that we were able to have him as our Gore Girl summer finale. I think it was a fitting end to a beautiful season, and we will be back on Friday with This Week in Bachelor Nation. You can follow Jason Tardick and what, everything that he is doing at Jason underscore Tardick on Instagram. And he has a website, jasontardick.com. And as always, Pace Case, what is that dwab at? It has been 7,386 days without an Asian bachelor. Praise be.
0: Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then. Now you've heard me talk about Quince on this program before. I love Quince. I am right now head to toe dressed in Quince. I got the shirts. I got their pants. I got everything from Quince. Quince is my spot for quiet luxury without paying those luxury prices. Quince offers a range of must-have items like 100% European linen under $50, luxurious mulberry silk skirts, and of course, Italian leather bags and 14 karat gold jewelry from, get this, $30. All their prices are 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And because Quince creates timeless classic styles that won't go out of fashion, You're going to have them in that closet forever, unless you wear them out, which I may because I literally wear them every day. (laughs) I know you're wondering, how do they do it? Well, Quince partners directly with top factories to cut out the cost of the middleman, passing the savings right on to you and to me. What's even better, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium eco-friendly fabrics and finishes, so you can feel good about getting high-quality items that are going to last you longer upgrade your closet this summer with Quince. Right now, go to quince.com slash roses to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's quince, Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash roses for free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash roses. who knows maybe a little bit about these things, but not enough, not enough to really make a great decision. They make the decision for you to get started. You just answer some specific questions about your wine likes and dislikes on first Leaf's website. And these can be things that are about the people you're buying it for as well. If you're doing it as a gift, it only takes about five minutes to create your own personalized wine profile. Then you get your very own wine concierge who's going to use those responses to curate a customized selection of delicious award-winning varieties from rosés to sparklings and everything in between it's all based on your personal preferences on those questions you answered these hand-selected wines are going to be delivered to your door within a few days with each bottle priced lower than what you'd pay at a wine store you even get to choose when you get the wine plus every selection is backed by first leaf's 100 satisfaction guarantee and if you have questions about your wines like what to pair them with for example first leaf's personal wine concierge team is there to offer that expert advice so it takes all the guesswork out